0: I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, Our family enjoyed a very quiet day alone uh, with our two younger children and uh, our oldest daughter, Brittany, and her husband, Chris, and our granddaughter. They live out in Las Vegas on the West Coast, and I'm so appreciative of Apple and technology because of FaceTime, we were able to watch our granddaughter open her gifts, and we kind of had Christmas via our uh, devices here, so I'm I'm grateful for that. They're going to get to come out in mid-January, so we get to see them, but... Laura fixed a wonderful uh, Texas Christmas uh, dinner, which is a little unusual, I know, for most of you, but we had Texas cheese enchiladas and beans and rice, and she made pecan pralines and pecan pie and coconut pie, which was my dad's favorite growing up, and then uh, that evening we played, uh, in honor of the food, we played Mexican Train. If you've ever played Mexican Train, it's a fun domino game. I know there's a few families at Renaissance that we've actually spent the evening playing that with. We had a great time uh, as a family, and I... I just want to thank you again for inviting your friends and your neighbors and your family members to be a part of our concerts. Over the six concerts, we had 1,300 people, over 1,300 people attend, which is just incredible. And I, I pray that it was a wonderful first step for people and that uh, we hopefully will see those people come back and um, on a weekend service and get to experience Renaissance. And so, so proud of Dave, uh, Macaron, and... All of our creative, Chris Marcus, our creative team, and Clay's message was was fabulous, I thought, during the concert. And also Christmas Eve was so special. Um, I really appreciated Clay's message. And through, through this season, that Advent study that he's been leading us through. But um, today we're going to talk about something a little bit different. We're going to talk about grace and truth. Now, I want to look back earlier this week because a week ago today, I was in excruciating pain. I was kind of pushing through it. Um, hopefully you didn't notice it, but I had a horrible toothache. And so I had to kind of go to the dentist under an emergency, and uh, what he discovered through the exam was that I had a fractured and have a fractured tooth. I'd like to think that was from a hockey injury. Um, we play hockey every Saturday, but uh, I think it was probably me chewing on ice or something like that that I, that I shouldn't do. And um, so as he dug into this fractured tooth, what we discovered is there was also decay had set in. So he took care of it. He put some super glue and bonding and all that in there, and he's given me a 20% chance of the tooth to survive. We'll see. I'll keep you filled in. Yeah, it's not a fun kind of thing. (laughs) But you know what's amazing about that is I began feeling pain in that tooth about six months ago. Six months ago. I was like, oh, it hurts. But, you know, like most of us middle-aged guys, we just push through that stuff and chew on the other side and go on through life and pretend that, somehow it's going to miraculously heal itself. Of course it didn't, and here I ended up at a dentist, uh, excruciating pain. You know, isn't it crazy that often we get warning signs of things in our life and our lives that are potentially fractured, potentially moving toward decay, but we, we ignore those things and we kind of push through. And it's... There's signs that something is not right, signs that there are fractures. And you know, in our area, I think one of the realities of our area, is we live at a crazy pace here. You know, uh, we live under and carry a mountain of expectations and responsibilities and pressures. It's a fact and reality here. And, and life consists of running kids to swim practice or to soccer practice, attending parties or meetings or school functions, navigating the pressures and the deadlines and responsibilities Uh, that we have in our business and at work. And caring for various family members can be a huge challenge. And on and on and on and on we go. We meet ourselves coming and going in this crazy pace of life. And in the busyness of this life, our relational, emotional, physical lives can sometimes go unattended to, can't they? We kind of begin to ignore that. And we get warning signs, we kind of ignore that. And before we know it, potentially a fracture has occurred or potentially the decay has begun in a relationship around our emotional life. And it can happen when we choose to ignore these warning signs. And so many times when those things happen, when a crisis happens in our life, we want to turn to God, and we find it difficult to turn to God because we may find that our spiritual life our spiritual lives are fractured as well. You know, some of us have never really felt nor experienced a real connection with God. Others of us have church and religious baggage that kind of leave us feeling guilty or defeated, discouraged and hopeless. You know, I grew up a Southern Baptist kid in Texas and I grew up with so much trying to please God and the more that I did for him, I, I was trying to earn his favor. And I carried a lot of that baggage of that performance part of that around of trying to live up to God's expectations. And it can leave us sometimes feeling hopeless. But you know the good news is, is there is hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope because of his unconditional love, because of his radical grace that is available to us all. And the truth is that only he can heal our fractured and broken, decaying lives. As we talk about grace and truth today, and we want to try to bring about health and growth into our spiritual lives, I want to kind of address some of those things. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. And if you have your Bible or your Bible app, we'll also have the scriptures on the screen. Uh, We want to look to chapter 2 where the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church at Ephesus is describing the amazing and incredible gift of God's grace. The amazing love of God, his unending, never-ending, unconditional love and how he rescues us out of our fractured lives out of the decay and the death, and brings us to life in Christ Jesus. So Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 9 say this. Let's read. But Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I love this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one else can boast. So grace means unmerited and undeserved favor and forgiveness of God. And I find that many of us frame our connection to God solely around trying to live moral lives or doing what is proper because that's what we were taught as children, right? We are taught how to be. This is the right thing to do. Through the years, we've somehow grown to believe that we need to earn our way to heaven. I know I struggle with that. But this passage of Scripture challenges all of this and it kind of flips it upside down and it turns our perceptions around and it declares that we are forgiven not because of what we do, but because of what God has done for us and what God will do for us through His Son, Jesus. And that Jesus lived, died, and rose again in our place. And His goodness and His rightness is transferred into our account, into our lives. Christianity is not about earning your way to God, but about believing and acknowledging Jesus as Savior, accepting and embracing His saving grace, and receiving the unmerited gift of salvation that brings eternal life in heaven and a life of purpose here on earth. I want us to think back to this past April. We were fortunate to have Lee Strobel come here to Renaissance, and Lee shared his incredible story. And Lee shared a formula that uh, was based out of uh, John 1.12. And I want to read the scripture first before I share the formula. You may remember this, but uh, John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So it's not about just believing in Jesus. It's about receiving the free gift of salvation and eternal life so that we can become Children of God. So Lee's equation that he put was believe plus receive equals become. When we fully embrace this equation of believing, receiving, and becoming can radically change our lives. So many of us talk about, I've I've always believed in Jesus, but we've never received that free gift of salvation so that we can truly become a child of God, growing uh, to pursue Him our whole lives. We can grow in our understanding of God's love and his gift of grace to us and, and just not believe it, but we need to fully receive it. So how do we grow and experience spiritual growth and joy in our lives? Well, first I would say, as we look at God's amazing grace, we need to be amazed by God's grace. Most of you know the hymn, Amazing Grace. That song is probably the most recognizable Um, song, maybe in the English language, I'm not sure, but I know it's been a favorite of mine through the years. And uh, it was written by John Newton and William uh, Cooper in 1769, and Newton wrote the words with the message that forgiveness and redemption are possible regardless of sins committed and that the soul can be delivered from despair through the mercy of God. Newton wrote these words from personal experience. He was involved in the Atlantic slave trade. He was a slave trader, which is a horrible thing to be a part of. And in 1748, a violent storm on the seas battered his sailing vessel so severely that Newton cried out to God for mercy. It was a moment that marked his spiritual conversion. So imagine how profound the words were that came from a former slave trader who knew the ugliness of his life before, but also had known the amazing radical grace of God in his life. And that from this man, from his heart, who was a wretch in the true sense of the word, who was saved by God's amazing grace, came the words that we all know. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. It's a beautiful picture. And the Bible has many pictures of God's, Amazing grace. And one of those images of grace is that we can move from being an orphan to being adopted. Orphan to adopted. The Bible discusses the relational dynamic of how God's people who were once orphans are adopted sons and daughters who now share in the riches, the love, the inheritance, and favor of God, their father, their perfect father. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 states this. Let's take a look at it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has given freely, freely given us and the one he loves. You know, adoption is a a very special word to our family. Um, Our oldest daughter, Brittany, uh, she's 32, and uh, it was a real miracle that she was born. Doctors had told us we would never have kids. Laura had a pituitary uh, adenoma that was preventing that, and she went on an experimental drug protocol program for a year at University of Texas Medical Center. We tried that for a year, and uh, it seemed nothing worked, but a few months later, miraculously, we found out Laura was pregnant with Brittany. So as we celebrated her birth and saw God's goodness through that, we began to pray for more children. And it was 14 years of prayer that actually um, happened many times in our small group that we were a part of when we were living in Nashville at the time when I was doing the music business and touring. And I remember week after week in our small group, those small group um, friends gathering around us and praying that God would bless us with more children. So it was through a benefit concert that I uh, was a part of in Wichita, Kansas through the Pregnancy Crisis Center that I met uh, the board of directors. And on that board of directors was a young woman who was an attorney who had a real heart uh, for these young girls who were unwed mothers. And I asked, is there ever an opportunity to adopt any of these children? And she says, yeah, on occasion. And I said, would you put our name in the hat? Would you call us if anything were to happen? And uh, we got that phone call very soon after that experience there. And we got to be a part of the ultrasound, and we were in the delivery room when our son Calvin was born. Calvin's now a senior at Summit High School. He's 18, and a rather tall, large kid if you see him around. But that was an incredible experience to be there, to be in the delivery room and to see that son that we were going to get to adopt, that God had purposed into our lives. And this young girl wrote a fabulous letter to, to Calvin about how... God intended him to be a part of our family. Adoption's beautiful. 17 months later, we find out, we get a call, would you like to adopt again? And we got Brooke. Brooke is 17 almost, will be 17 in March, is a junior at Summit High. And we were were part of that same experience. And uh, what's really special about that is they both have the same birth mother. They have different birth fathers but the same birth mother. So it's a very special thing to us. And I'll never forget my wife, Laura, saying this was such an emotionally uh, uh, rich experience, wrenching, kind of gut-wrenching, when, when, when a young girl, young woman would, would give us her children allow them to be adopted into our family. And she said, I, I think I would rather go through 48 hours of labor than the difficulty of what that was. But it was a beautiful gift. And it wasn't difficult in a bad way. It was just very gut-wrenching. And so we began to pray as these both of them when they were, before they were born, that God would take our family heritage. I, I was blessed to grow up with parents, as was Laura. And I had both sets of grandparents, one set of great-grandparents and a great-grandmother. Most of my childhood and uh, up into my teen years were growing up, all incredible uh, godly people who love God and were strong Christians. Laura had the same kind of upbringing. And so because of that heritage of faith and blessing in our life, we began to pray that whatever those blessings were, that God would somehow instill that into Calvin and Brooke's life. And so that became a very important thing to us because through all that experience, God showed me so much about himself as father to me and how that I am adopted into his family, into his kingdom. And when we believe in Jesus Christ and receive him as Lord and Savior, we become a part of that family. It's not just believe, but to receive that, we get to be adopted right into that family. We are adopted by his undeserved favor, grace, and gift of salvation. It's very powerful to us. So we are orphaned to adopted. But not only do we move from being orphaned to adopted, but we also move from death to life. Paul states in Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5, how we were dead in our transgressions and sin before coming to Jesus. But because of his great love for us, it says, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It's because of God's unconditional love and his amazing grace that we are saved and brought to life out of death. Because he's rich in mercy, He takes our fractured lives and He heals us and He brings us to life through His Son, Christ Jesus. And we not only move from death to life, but we also move from darkness to light. You know, time and again, the Bible uses language of how we were once darkness and that God made His light shine on and through us. In Ephesians 5, verse 8, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you were light in the Lord. Live as children of light. So without God, you see, we walk and live in darkness. Our hearts, our minds, our souls are in darkness. Thus it is by the grace of God and His light that is shined on us. And we're not only saved from darkness when we believe in Jesus, but we receive the free gift of salvation and we become a child of God. Again, there's that believe, receive, and become. We are also saved to something. We are saved to shine brightly in our world. We can shine brightly through the challenging seasons of life. We can choose to live differently. We can experience joy and warrant them happiness in God that we never thought possible when we were living in darkness. And I really believe that's a calling of us as a church. You know, we think about this church setting in Summit, which is like the high point, it's the peak, that God can shine his light through each of our lives into the lives of our friends and neighbors. And we can see God do powerful things and mighty things in our communities, our our local communities. I really believe that. Really, really grateful for that. believe that God is going to do that. Mm. In Matthew 5, verse 14 through 16, it kind of talks about that. And I think about Summit being kind of a city on a hill. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When we allow God's light to shine on the dark and fractured places of our lives, His light brings healing. His light brings rightness to our lives. Man, I I want us to embrace that. When He... His light shines on those dark and fractured places where maybe the decay is setting in. He's able to bring healing and rightness into our lives. When we intentionally pursue a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, the natural byproduct of that growth is that light, His light will shine brightly through each area of our lives, turning those dark places, those fractured places to light and be healed. And as a church, we can be that. I believe that. So we grow in our understanding of his amazing grace, but we also grow in our discovery of his truth. Talk about grace and truth. So we need to discover God's truth. You know, I mentioned um, earlier about the incredible lunch we had um, on Christmas dinner, and many of us will kind of have those renewed New Year's resolutions of Um, trying to drop a few pounds and trying to be a little more intentional in our exercise and our health and eating the right things and and working out. And I'm always amused, uh, you know, on social media and on the Internet and on television, the commercials, of all the miracle pills, the cleanses, the juicing, the body wraps. I've seen those things, you know, all these crazy things. And and actually, I found this at my house. Um, Anyone remember these? Of course, it was in storage, and I have no idea how many moves it has made through the years. Uh, Laura and I have been married almost 35 years, so um, this was the thighmaster. Suzanne Somers, right? Wouldn't she? The like, it's not a lot to this thing, but isn't it weird? We're always looking for shortcuts to health, and everyone's kind of. Li- and we know that there's no shortcut to great health. It takes discipline. It takes eating right. It takes exercising and sweat. And, and working toward those goals. And uh, it, it, that's what it takes to get hell. There are no shortcuts. So what's funny is that too often we also want a shortcut when it comes to our spiritual lives and our faith journey. We see, well, of course I'm a Christian. I, I, I believe in Jesus. I've been going to church my entire life. My parents were Christians. I, I, read my, I read my Bible and I pray and I give offerings and I volunteer and I help the homeless and I give gifts to children. And I attend services a couple of times a month. And, you know, so we do and we say all of the right things. And I would say what we do is we try to cross, I've been so guilty of this, we cross every religious T and dot every little I that we think is appropriate when it comes to our church life. But the fact is, real, real spiritual growth is a lifelong process. It can be very difficult and painful because real spiritual growth means surrender. It means letting go. It means entrusting into the hands of God some things that we've tried to hold on to tightly. And that's tough for us. That can be very painful and difficult for us. We must allow him into our fractured and decaying, the decaying parts of our hearts in order to let the Holy Spirit do the work that needs to be done. There have been so many things in my life that God has had to get in there and work on. Back in the late 80s, I wrote a song called The Chisel. And it was all about being kind of the clay in the potter's hand. And, and the, the, the chorus said, bring on the chisel if that's your desire. If you think I need it, Lord, I'll go through the fire. If I'll be like Jesus and this is required, Father, I want the chisel. And sometimes this surrendering in our lives is, can be a very painful thing. as we, All right, God, you do your work in my life and you show me those things that I need to change and reveal that into my life. You know, it's even possible to become a Christian to come to Jesus Christ, to accept his forgiveness and his gift of salvation, but yet never really allow him to come in and to do the restorative work that he wants to do, to really come in and to heal and to restore and put back together those fractured parts of our lives, sometimes of our histories. You can be a Christian and you can be miserable. You can be life-draining. You can be a negative person. I've known a few of those people. I'm sure you have. Unfortunately, I grew up in the church and I saw so many of them in the church. Also, unfortunately, I've been one of those people before. But the Christian life is just more than coming to Christ and accepting His forgiveness, which is His grace. It's also about entering into a lifelong process of being changed by God, His truth. We desperately need this balance of grace and truth in our lives. And we experience and embrace God's radical grace in our lives that He is all-forgiving and loves us unconditionally. But too often... This sense of grace, we somehow take on as some kind of a of license or permission to go on living our lives as, as we always have. And we li- live, end up living, continue living in our sin and our dysfunction in our lives. Romans 6, 1 through verses 1 and 2 kind of address this. And I want you to know that I'm all about a grace culture in a church. That's one of the things I love most about Renaissance. One of my values in my life, Plan, when I did my life plan, was that I have to be a part of a church that has a grace culture. A culture where people, all people, are accepted, no matter where they've come from, where they are in their life, what they've done, the questions they have, that they're all welcome. And that is the heart of this church. And so I, I really love that. But too often, again, we can ignore, we can accept this grace, but continue on in our lives in the same old way, committing the same old sin, living in the same dysfunction. But this verse in Romans, these two verses, really address this. So what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. By no means. Other, other translations, let it not be so. May it not be so. We are those who have died to sin, so how can we live in it any longer? So we don't want to go on sinning so that grace can increase more. We must embrace God's truth as well as his grace. So if we've died to sin, how can we? Why should we or why would we want to continue in our sin? You know, our mission at Renaissance is to be a local church to our local communities, helping our friends and neighbors explore and experience a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We're about helping people become the kind of people that God would desire For them to be. Paul prays this prayer for this church at Ephesus in verses 16 out of chapter 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with his power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. I love this to grasp how wide and long and high and deep. Is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul prays that we as Christians should be strong in our faith through the power of his Spirit. And an amazing part of this verse is comes when we ask, Well, how much strength? The answer: the abundance of strength that comes from God's unimaginable glory and his unlimited resources. The word, the Bible says, his glorious riches. The glory of God may be viewed as the sum total of all his characteristics because God himself is infinite and eternal. His glory is inexhaustible. And it's according to this inexhaustible, all-powerful God that he will provide for us. The early followers we see in the Bible with Jesus, they, they devoted themselves to Learning. They devoted themselves to growing and maturing. And that is why we teach the Bible here at Renaissance. I want you to know that Clay and I and our staff, we are committed to preaching and speaking the true word of God through, his, through the Bible and then to bring the gospel into every area of our lives and in our community. We are committed to that. We don't just read the Bible to get God into our lives. We read the Bible to get our lives aligned with God. The Bible draws us into his reality, and I believe that God wants us as a church to grow and to mature spiritually. Friends, I believe that. So I want to encourage you to read your Bible daily. Get the Version app on your smart device. And the YouVersion uh, Bible app is filled with various reading plans, some year long, some shorter. Take advantage of that. And uh, let's see what happens when we begin to read his word. Faithfully, as a church congregation, we all need to understand that God loves us right where we are. That is His grace, that He does love us unconditionally, but He doesn't leave us there, and that's the truth. So that now we can experience God's love. Experience God's love. Paul wraps up his prayer to the church at Ephesus with these words And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power. Together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I love this verse. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul is saying that God's love is amazing. So as we grow to understand it, we will see everything differently. Uh, We will live our lives differently. We will allow God to heal those fractures in our lives. And we experience God's love by growing in grace and truth over time in biblical community. We grow in God's grace and truth over time within biblical community. The early Christians worshipped at the temple every day. That was where they had their larger gatherings, and they gathered in homes for meals and communion. It says they they shared what they had with one another. And that was um, they shared things that they had with one another. And and so the larger gatherings were kind of what we do here at Renaissance on the weekend. The smaller gatherings are what we do in our small groups. So these These early Christians recognized something very important. They recognized that they needed one another very much in order to grow. The church community is so important for all of us in our lives because we need that inspiration. I need that inspiration from you, from one another. And I want to challenge you to prioritize your relationship with the church to Renaissance. I want to challenge you in your faithfulness uh, to attend our weekend services on a regular basis. I also want to challenge you to get connected into a small group, to begin to read your Bible, and to pray, to develop those disciplines. Again, we talked about the physical part of that, the discipline it takes to get healthy. It takes discipline in our lives as Christians, as people of God. These disciplines are fundamentally important to our spiritual growth as individuals, and it's also important to our church in order for us to grow together as a church and biblical community. We grow together as a church community because we experience God's freedom and joy, and real spiritual uh, growth involves these three important things. It's a new little equation. Grace plus truth plus time equals growth. So whenever God intervenes to meet us where we are in order to help us, he does so with these three ingredients of grace, truth, and time. For God's system to work, you have to have all three of these functioning and happening. Grace is all about acknowledging and receiving God's complete forgiveness of our, of our sin as well as His unconditional acceptance of us. The truth is understanding His will and purpose contained in His teachings of the Bible, that we align our lives to the Word of God to the Bible, that it becomes our playbook, becomes the foundation of our life. That is the truth. And time is also an important element in the picture because growth is a process and just as physical growth takes time, spiritual growth takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It is a lifelong process. So we need to commit ourselves to this process. Friends, we need to commit ourselves to this process as a church. And that will take time. Because if you have grace and time, but you don't have truth, it can become very dangerous. We can believe that God's unconditional love, acceptance, and grace gives us somehow a license to continue living, as I mentioned earlier, living in our sin. And we never grow or mature in our faith as Christians. Truth and time without grace can bring about guilt or discouragement or defeat. I've experienced that. Grace and truth together without time will give you a vision and then not have you reach the completion of that vision. They all must go together. And what's really great is you don't have to do it alone. We don't have to do this alone. God wants to do this with one another. He wants us to do this in in community. And that's something that I love about our church is that we love gathering together. We love coming to the concerts or the Super Bowl party and and, and connecting together. And God wants to use those kinds of connecting opportunities we have as a church family to grow and develop in our faith and to make it more than just having a party, but that we really do life together and we dig deeper and grow in His Word. We need each other and we need to remind each other of God's grace in our lives as a church. We need to embrace God's truth and speak truth to one another in love, of course. And we need to encourage each other to be patient since spiritual growth does take time. In Renaissance family, my prayer for us as 2014 winds down and we enter into 2015. My prayer is that we will experience and grow in God's grace, his love, and his truth. It beats in my heart to see us grow and to mature. I think our greatest year is ahead of us. And we are committed through our small group ministry. I want, to, I want to encourage you, get connected into a small group. You can drop by the Info Center, talk to me. We would love to get you connected. We'll connect you with our spiritual formation team that will help you find a place to get involved. The next time we have the next round of the project, if you've never attended that, I want to encourage you to do that. We should be having a project in the next few months. It's a great four-week opportunity to kind of take a look at what God's story is and how our stories intersect with His story. All of these things we do for a purpose, and our purpose is to help us explore and experience and develop a growing, thriving, healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. And that we recognize that He is our healer, our restorer. He can come in and shine His light on those dark, decayed, fractured parts of our lives, and so it would radically change our lives in every area of our life. That's what's great about the gospel. You bring the gospel into each area of your life, it brings fruit, it brings great change and impact. And I I think about what this church could be with the lives of our people fully devoted to Jesus Christ, His light shining through them, what kind of literally world impact could happen. We have world changers in our church. What could happen? How could God use that in a powerful way for His kingdom to advance it? So I just want to encourage us in that. I know that's my heart, and I'm committed to that. I know Clay and our team, our staff, we are committed to that. We are grateful for you, and we want to see God do a great work in our life as we grow in our grace and understanding of His amazing Radical grace, his unconditional, accepting, never ending love, and this truth of who he is. Let's bow together. You know, perhaps you've been in your life and you've always believed in Jesus, but is that equation that Lee Strobel shared with us? You've never really received the free gift of salvation. And your life has been nothing but trying to measure up and do all the right things and dot your religious I's or you're crossing your T's and I've done all these things, but yet you still don't have that personal relationship because you've never received him. You've never received the free gift of salvation so that you could become a true child of God. I want you to know you you can make that decision. We would love to pray with you. I'll be around afterwards or you can reach out via email. We'd love to connect with you. I know it's a process. I just want to encourage you to make that decision in your life. And those of you who are Christians, I just want to encourage us all to be committed to growing in Christ, growing in his truth, seeking his word, growing together in community, being committed to the mission of this church and to see it be a light to our community and to the lives of our friends and our neighbors and our family. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the promise and that God, your grace was so amazing, so incredible that you would send your son, Jesus, to die a a death on a cross for our sin. God, that you send him to our world, Father, so that we could get into your world. So God, may we receive the fullness of your your free gift of salvation so that we can become a true child of God. And God, help us in our growth, spiritual maturity and growth and pursuing the things of God, and pursuing your word and growing together in community and learning to do life and to care for one another. God, I thank you for this church. That For these 12 years or so, God, how it was poured upon the vision of this and so many have sacrificed financially and with time and commitment to pour into the lives of people to see our area come to know who you are and their saving grace of who you are and the life that can come through you. So God, we thank you for that. And we pray for an incredible 2015. I pray your blessings over the lives of these people, those that may be navigating relational or personal, spiritual, financial, health issues, God, whatever those are. God, I pray that you would make yourself very present to each need to bring hope and healing and your peace into their lives. Father, we thank you and we give you all honor and glory and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.